listening to The Atomic Geeks, a podcast covering movies, TV, comic books, video games, and everything in between. So geeky. Hello and welcome to a very special edition of The Atomic Geeks podcast. That's correct. It's time for another Atomic Geeks review. My name is Michael Giovanni, and I'm in Toronto. Let's see who else is joining me for this podcasting day. Well, hello, Michael. Uh, it's Andrew Bloom calling in from London. And as you know, it's just me on the line uh, because we don't like to include other people when we talk about movies. Yes. <laughs> when we do reviews, it generally is a two-man operation. I find four people kind of tends to fuck it up a bit. Well, it would take us about an hour and a half to talk about one movie. Yeah, this is true. We tend to talk on and on as a group. This is true. So, uh, we, this is a podcast, you know, we like to do these once in a while. Uh, we've done one before for District 9, and this time we are doing, uh, we're, today we're going to be reviewing the new film, Alice in Wonderland. So, Andrew and I have both seen it, so let's get right into it. Uh, Bloom, what were your thoughts of the 3D extravaganza that was Alice in Wonderland? You know, this, this is going to be a tough movie, I think, for us to come to a conclusion at the end, maybe. Um, I will say I enjoyed the movie for the most part. Um, don't know whether or not the 3D was worthwhile, um, but it was it was good, not great. Uh, just to sum up quickly, like before we get into detail, I'm gonna say it was it was good, but not. I wasn't wowed like I was hoping to be. You know, uh, it, you brought up a couple interesting points. I mean, just to go kind of on a macro level of what I thought, I enjoyed it. I thought this was a a fun movie, uh, and I'm using air quotes there, a, a very interesting uh, fantasy and look to the film, which we'll get into. And I, I, I generally like Tim Burton films. Mm-hmm. I don't love Tim Burton films. Well, but, I, uh, think, I think, like you're saying, Tim Burton can either be a absolute master of the craft or kind of a too quirky uh, or, or too weird maybe for me to get it. But I, I find he he's like, you love it or hate it or... I guess that goes against what I'm saying, how I'm not really sure about the movie, but I, I agree. I enjoyed it, but sometimes Tim Burton goes a little off the wall. This wasn't necessarily the case where it was so far off the wall because I think he had a story to deal with. He was doing a story that we all sort of know. You know, it's, it's interesting because uh, Tim Burton is quirky. I mean, we're not really, that's not a revelation to anyone no. who's ever seen a film of his. And I actually like his quirkiness, and I found that this film was probably, dare I say it, one of his most conventional. It really felt uh, mainstream for Tim Burton in the sense that it really uh, epitomized him working yeah. with Disney. I agree because as as much as, and you know, we should throw it out now that there's probably going to be spoiler, the spoiler alert that we're going to talk about the movie because we've both seen it. If you haven't seen this movie, why are you uh, listening to this? Why are you listening to this? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's probably the point, but like you're saying, this is this. If this was a, a story on its own, this would be off the wall and crazy. But it's Alice in Wonderland. It's already a quirky, weird story, uh, where in the hands of Tim Burton, it kind of just. I think I think almost anybody would have to come up with this kind of a weird uh, play of it because it's it's the story itself that's quirky. Yeah, and I think Tim Burton uh, it was such a logical choice uh-huh. for this film. You know when I. When you know, I will say that he picks more often than not appropriate subject matter. At least he's been on a roll with it. Because when I heard he was doing Willy Wonka, I was like, "That makes sense." Tim Burton. When I heard Alice in Wonderland, I was like, "That is intuitive." So yeah. this to me was 
right up his alley and he delivered on the uh b- delivering that world you yes. know what i will say to what you said off the top uh the 3d in this film i think was i mean it's a really cool process i mean this because we're still so new into this new level of 3d yeah but if you're expecting avatar level this ain't it no and it, it's enjoyable and it but it almost reminds me a little bit of old school 3D where it's like burn it, burn it, burn it. Like it's in your face a little bit with some things. Now, cool. I like 3D and I, I, I think I'm going to continue to enjoy it because that's just another reason to get my ass in a seat at the theater. And I don't think it's a bad thing. Um, no. But- and it's interesting because I, I thought, I mean, I still love that this new use of 3D is to really create depth. And I think that, you know, it, it was on display here for sure yep. in Alice in Wonderland. But what was obvious, um, what I'd read about this was Avatar, I believe, was the first film to ever do that full 3D at the time of filming. That's correct. Alice in Wonderland, I believe this was done retroactively. And I think also in the upcoming uh, Clash of the Titans and a few other films, they're all racing to get them made 3D. The yeah. benefit that Alice in Wonderland has is it's the first film that's also 3D coming right off of Avatar, which people are going to get excited for and it's going to do big business. But I think there's also going to be that inevitable letdown because you're going to be seeing, comparing it to Avatar's 3D, and this just isn't that. I think no. the next time we see a film with the quality of 3D that Avatar's done, you're going to be talking, it's going to be six months, a year out, because now people are going to be doing it right at the start of the filming process. Yeah, they'll probably be filming it now as we speak, and then when they hit, like, not doing it in post-production like Alice in Wonderland has. Uh, but speaking about the, uh, the the special effects of Alice in Wonderland, I will say this, uh, I don't know if I'm going to say inspired, but it was very good. I enjoyed all of the, the way the characters look, the way... You know, Tweedledee and Tweedledum and the and the the big head on the queen and everything like that. Like the characters all looked very good. It 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 worked very well. It was a very strange world, but it's what you would expect from Alice in Wonderland. Oh, I ate that shit up. The, oh, to yeah. me, this was like most uh, Tim Burton films, a visual feast. I would say, quite honestly, this worked much more successful for me than Willy Wonka, uh, with yeah. really Tim Burton sinking his teeth into it. When you were mentioning that. Uh, there was a lot to like when, uh, in terms of visuals in this film. The creative direction was top-notch stuff. I loved the look of, to your point, I thought the Red Queen, and we'll get into her later, Helena Bonham Carter. Uh, that was a lot of fun. I fucking loved her Red Knights. I thought they oh, just yeah. looked so cool. Yeah, the cards, the card. I, I'm not even sure, like... I was I've never really been a huge Alice in Wonderland person. I believe I you know, I know the story. I've probably seen some of the movies and stuff. But the thing I kind of liked about it is that I was almost fresh going into this. It'd been so long since I had seen an Alice in Wonderland. I knew all the characters and what to expect, but I was really impressed with the uh with the armies of each side. Even the the white queen versus and then the red queen, the, their armies were really pretty cool looking. Oh, it just Everything was. I thought the work done on all of the different animals. I, you know, I enjoyed Alan Rickman. You know, as the uh, the blue caterpillar. I, yeah, he's got he, the he's got one of the most distinct voices uh, around, and it's just his character. He was perfect for that character. 
Yeah, and it's a the there was there's a fun little scene about a third of the way into the movie where the uh, really the first time you see this the Red Queen who is the uh, the foil for the film, uh, but she's interrogating a group of her frog uh, employees, and yeah. it's just it looks so good. I mean, I think the one thing that I you know I mentioned when I came out of this movie uh, to my wife was that this film really epitomized this was like live action cartoon like well, this was exactly you, you exactly I, to, I totally agree with what you're saying there like i don't mean to cut you off but you just hit it the nail on the head right there the great big giant head the uh but the, the it it's almost hard to tell the difference between what's real and what's not i mean it's probably because so much of the movie is cgi mixed in with real characters but it blends seamlessly yeah and i was this is an exciting time for movies because i like what they can do now and the evolution of where we are in terms of interaction between CGI characters and real life actors and even just CGI environments is becoming so seamless because this was, I mean, the, the, the majority of the characters that at least Helena Bonham Carter was playing with, her and uh, Crispin Glover, I mean, mm -hmm. they were constantly speaking to nobody. Well, I mean, even though, was, I, yeah, I was thinking about that. There's a scene where Alice is walking with Tweedledee and Tweedledum and talking with them. And I'm thinking, this woman is standing on a green screen right now talking to nobody and still has to act like she's with people. Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty amazing, uh, like, look of the film in terms of the CGI work. I love the character the character design, like what the, the way that they did the Red Queen, and as you, everyone knows, or if you've seen, if you haven't seen the film, if you've just seen in the trailers, her exaggerated, huge fucking head. <laughs> but that's really, to me, she was like one of those old Disney villains in in those cartoon sure. films. That's what you would expect, and and he loves uh, Helena Bonham Carter. That's his. I think that's his wife. Well, I know he used to date, and he puts his wife in things because you remember in Mars Attacks, the his old wife with the great big boobs. She was hot. Yeah. That was his wife at that point. I, I don't know if he's with her now. Then that kind of makes sense. But he, she's in everything he does, and I thought she did a I thought she did a pretty bang up job. I mean, um, she was she was one of the highlights. She chewed the shit out of the scenery in this film. She was pitch perfect note for the yeah. world that he was creating here. But, you know, let's get uh, back up a little bit because you mentioned off the top the uh, the story of Alice in Wonderland. And, uh -huh. you know, we've all, you know, in some form or fashion, whether we watch the old classic uh, Disney cartoon or we people read the Lewis Carroll books, uh, this was an interesting approach. And I think almost a necessary approach that they didn't just redo that original story. I think it'd be hard to kind of do that justice what you know, what they attempted to do, and in some respects, this is a bit of a sequel. It feels like I actually read a review online on ain'titcool.com from Harry Knowles, and he actually made an interesting uh, statement about this film, which I thought was very accurate, where he said basically they take the Chronicles of Narnia type approach to the Alice in Wonderland story, where you know Alice returns as an adult to the world she knew as a kid, and has to help the people uh, overthrow a conqueror who's taken over the land. When you actually think of that, it, it's a fairly simple story that allows yeah. them to see all of the famous characters, the Mad Hatter and, you know, the, the cat and whatnot. But 
I do, do, do. What did you think about taking that approach as opposed to just doing the well, original Alice in Wonderland? It, it's kind of it's kind of like like I was saying earlier. I I know Alice in Wonderland, but it's not like you know it like you know certain things. And you, I think it was a pretty decent approach. I mean, they spent a lot of the time in the movie kind of saying. Don't you remember Alice? Remember, this isn't the right Alice. Is this the right Alice? Are you the right? And, you know, her not knowing. And all of a sudden, later on in the movie, she has a revelation where she remembers visiting as a child and going through what would be the first, um, her first visits to, to Wonderland and cre- actually creating the, or naming Wonderland. Um, I think it was, I think it was a pretty good approach because it seemed pretty, it, to me, it seemed like a, a, a fresh story or it would have been even if they played the original, if you know what I mean, like not knowing it that well. Yeah, I think so too. And I think uh, it, it, to me, it was just, I don't think they would have done themselves any favors by trying to just take that original narrative and bring it, that to life again. It might have been, been tired. It might have been to those people who are fans, they, they would have been like you have with anything. You know, I don't know if you have any Alice in Wonderland super fans, but if you take the original and you just try to revamp it or reboot it like they do so many times, then you'll just have people picking apart what you did and what you didn't do and what you didn't do as good as the old one. For this one, it, it's kind of like you're introducing the world, you're you're putting out a movie. I don't know whether or not there would be any room for sequels in this thing, but it, you're introducing it to a wide audience, you're giving it a fresh look, and you're in, encompassing good parts of the story. Yeah, it's... Yeah, it's it's really neat that they kind of went into this, uh, the way they presented this was they assume that the audience, we all know the classic fairy tale, which was, I think, a unique approach. And, I'm, and I like that. I, I, I have to admit, I like the idea that they assume we all know about the little girl that went, fell down the rabbit hole and yeah. had done this before. Now, what would have happened if she would have gone back in an adult life? Good, fresh approach. I thought the girl that played Alice, she was a virtual unknown, was uh-huh. was quite good. And I think it was also nice that we didn't have to deal with another little child actress, you know, because with the Harry Potters and all of these other sort of stories already kind of doing that fantasy style, I think it was nice to have the, uh, you know, an adult Alice. And I really got a kick and, out of her. And how- even, even that, like she's an adult, but she's not like an old Alice, not like uh, Robin Williams when he did the Peter Pan where you're like, Remember when you were a kid and you loved stuff? It was more like, you know, she's still playing, what, like a 17-year-old? Yeah, I guess that we were supposed to assume she was like maybe 19 in that age. But that's a great example, though, about Hook. That that they tried to do pretty much the same thing in Hook, where it was, yeah, you know Peter Pan. What if Peter Pan grew up, blah, blah. That was not as successful as the treatment that Alice in Wonderland. I still still has some enjoyment for me. I don't know why. Maybe Dustin Hoffman. I don't know what. There is a little bit of an enjoyment in that movie. Not much. Um, but this, this I kind of, uh, I'm not going to draw equals between the two of them, but the same sort of story idea where you're going back later. You're going back to the well later on. Yeah, and I think, for me personally, I think this one worked much more successfully. Uh, and, you know, let's get into some of the other characters. We talked okay. about H- Helena Bonham Carter. Uh, obviously, Johnny Depp was, you know, got the full, ca- you know, you mainline know, billing for this. I will I will say that, like, Johnny Depp was, was good, and I enjoy the Mad Hatter character. Whether or not it was Johnny Depp was needed for it, I don't know. Like, it, maybe someone else couldn't have done what Johnny Depp did. And that's a, that's kind of 
what he's known for is doing these characters that no one else could have done that. Like in Pirates of the Caribbean, no one else could have played Jack Sparrow like he did. But you know, this one, it, I don't know. You know, it's interesting because uh, Tim Burton and Johnny Depp, their ongoing collaboration is, it is kind of unbelievable the characters that he has played during, throughout the, uh, the, all these films. And I'm sure yeah. they're going to work together again. In my opinion, I don't think I could have seen anybody else playing that. I mean, he, it, it, Johnny Depp just has got this most incredible resume probably of modern actors. Well, definitely the most, uh, the widest variation of characters. He, he, it's almost like he's plastic man. You know what I mean? He has the ability to do just about anything. I like Matt Hatter, obviously, like I'm saying, I'm not saying Johnny Depp was a bad choice by any means. Obviously he, he did a great, great job, but I was trying to think if whether or not someone else could do it. And, you know, I would probably agree with you. They do very good work together. And it's, it's odd just, that they always work together, though. Yeah, it's like he is really uh, Johnny... Tim Burton, Johnny Depp is his muse. I mean, it's not quite unlike the De Niro uh, Scorsese or now the Scorsese-DiCaprio collaboration. Yeah. But to me, I, I just think, you know, Johnny Depp, when he works with Tim Burton, you're guaranteed it's going to be out there. I mean, yeah. the minute he walks on screen here, just even that, once again, the design of his character with the, you know, his his eyes and his orange crazy hair color and the suits that he's wearing, uh -huh. he takes these risks. I mean, because they are way out there risks creatively with these characters. You know, maybe, it, maybe that's what it is. I think if anybody else did it, it would be a huge risk. But when Johnny Depp does it, he, he's a bankable character, or he's a bankable actor, sorry, that when he does something out there maybe it's he just it, it, he is that good that when he does something that's way out there you it's gonna work i almost think johnny depp now given the way his career is gone people only want to see him out there i don't think i kind of miss him doing something normal but i gotta be honest i don't think leading man uh clean cut johnny depp is as bankable as Crazy fucking Edward Scissorhands, yeah. uh, you know, Willy Wonka, Jack Sparrow, Johnny Depp. Well, I think I've got people... my, my fingers crossed for that 21 Jump Street movie. <laughs> and just really hoping that, that he pulls that one out. Because he, I, I do, I think this is the, uh, this is the territory that, you know, audiences want to see Johnny Depp. I mean, yeah, he, totally. and, and it is, it's pretty crazy fucking territory. He, I mean, Mad Hatter indeed, I think he changes his fucking, you know, linguistic pattern about 20 times. He's got accents at some points. He's, you know, speaking like an, an invalid, a child. Uh, you know, he's got a... He's all over the map. What a big the, head. Yeah, in like, this one, yeah, for he, sure. Yeah, he, he is very much. And I think some people, if they did that, you would think, he can't even stay in character. But you know with Johnny Depp, you're kind of saying, he's one hell of a character. Yeah, people accept him as these eccentric roles. And I think you, they, people have come to expect it when you see a Tim Burton, Johnny Depp collaboration. Yeah. So it's almost like you're uh, preordained to kind of go, oh, this better be weird because you don't, because sometimes <laughs> if that sort of character showed up in any other movie or if it was being played by fucking like Russell Crowe, I think a lot of people would be going, what the what hell the, is yeah, this? what's going on yeah no I'll definitely that stuff's weird i think it's it's safe to say based on what we're talking about that we liked johnny depp in this movie 
I did, and I was not surprised. I mean, what really surprised me is how much I liked Anne Hathaway. I thought she played huh. the uh, the the White Queen very interestingly. She I, I'll played disagree. her. Go yeah, ahead, I... go ahead and say your point. I'm just going to put that out there that I I'm 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 not going to say that I didn't like her. The character, how she decided to play it, was a little bit weird and. I maybe I just didn't get it because like her very this is me this is me letting you speak as you can tell there she had her kind of floating her hands around and very fairy like which I think she was trying to do but I found it a little bit distracting and her eyebrows wow what is she Brooke Shields <laughs> I actually liked the character design of her it was just it's pure Tim Burton I mean it was yeah. like the emo fucking looking girl goth chick reverse goth chick almost like the full white with giant black eyebrows yeah but uh, the way i i looked into this and once again i revert to the disney cartoons where she was like a uh, a strange interpretation of those perfect D disney princesses where she was had such poison grace to her to almost a fault you know, right. where she was constantly talking with her hands and yeah, hated. Yeah, could never get excited. Or... Couldn't get excited and hated the, uh, you know, the violence and gore. And like, I, I actually thought it was, once again, it was weird. But I, you know, mm -hmm. the parallel to the over-the-top, off-with-their-heads, crazy uh, Red Queen, I, I just bought into this that this was some sort of like Disney cartoon on acid, like is what we were watching here. Yeah, yeah, and I can see that. I just I found with her character it didn't it just didn't sit well. I I was too distracted by her hand movements, like how she always was playing and had them in the air and stuff. I kind of thought of Rain Man a little bit. She I just I don't I don't think that she I don't think she put a a, a black mark on the movie. I just didn't it it was distracting to the point where I had to make comments to the people sitting with me. I can understand you saying that though the first time you see her on screen, uh, uh -huh. definitely. Like her her costume designing and character design, again, that's about the fourth time I've mentioned this. Uh, and this is to no surprise. I think Tim Burton must spend, you know, 80% of his creative juices sometimes on just getting people's outfits. Well, I even mean, when you when you look at the set design, like you're saying, the castles were super impressive. The like all the set, all the sets and the and the and the costumes, like you're saying, were all very impressive. Um, with that being said, though, and I don't mean I don't want to digress too much. This movie didn't feel as big as I was expecting. It wasn't as epic as I thought it would be. And I that's kind of a weird thing to say about Alice in Wonderland. But you know, when they're getting the the armies ready to go and the big battle scene was coming up, I found that to be a little bit um, small feeling. Like a little, a little bit. I thought it was going to be more sweeping. Of course, the problem is now you equate every battle scene in these movies with Lord of the Rings. I was just going to say, like uh, Peter Jackson has almost ruined us for yeah. any other movie because you either say to yourself, "This looks," so they're just trying to rip off Lord of the Rings, or then you say, "Oh, it's not as big as Lord of the Rings." Because I do agree. There was even moments in this when I I noticed certain camera sweeping camera shots that I'm like. Wow, did Tim? Uh, sorry, did Peter Jackson ever change the game here with those movies? Because oh, I could yeah. even see the influence there. Uh, I agree with you. I think you were expecting the buildup uh, that the big final climactic battle was going to be, you know, Lord of the Rings esque. Yeah, but and she was it, fighting the what was it called? What did Alice have to kill at the end? 
That was called the Jabberwocky, the dragon in it. And I actually really liked the design uh, yeah. of that dragon. I thought that was pretty cool. I thought it was a nice touch, personally, that, uh, you know, Christopher Lee of, you know, uh, Count Dooku and, you know, also Lord of the Rings fame was actually the brief voice of the Jabberwocky. I thought that yeah. was, I kind of smiled at that. But that's, I, I thought that's funny. I didn't know. I don't know if I picked up on that, but or if it was just seemed natural. Yeah, he just it was a perfect place for him. But I I, I liked that. I thought that was a nice touch. I I enjoyed the battle between uh you know Alice with the Vorpal Sword, which I thought was just which, perfect fantasy shit. Oh, uh, that, well, that's where it's you know, and and I'm gonna once again talk over you. The uh, the Vorpal Sword, which they use in fables, is from Alice in Wonderland. I don't think it's mentioned in any other. Uh, fantasy or 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 uh, fable or anything like that. I think this is actually where they pull it from. The snickety snack, cutting people's heads off. I'm just. I didn't hear it when she cut his head off. I was actually listening for that. It, uh, yeah, it's a that's a nice piece of fantasy there. Oh, yeah. And and I love that. I like the story device of the uh, the book that or that basically the parchment that showed every day that's ever happened. And they yeah. saw, this was all. The, uh, predestined that she was going to, you know, face off with the uh, Jabberwock. Yeah, I thought that was pretty fun. Yeah, but I do agree a little bit at the end. the uh, the big bat The big battle maybe isn't at the level of what we now come to expect in certain films. I mm -hmm. thought it was a nice touch that they were on a chessboard, like yep. set up like that. Yeah, but uh, it, to me, it worked. I thought this film was fun. My one thing is, I I really liked it. I still think that. Tim Burton hasn't found a script that has quite matched his creative vision yet. I still think mm -hmm. he's due for his absolute classic. I will say I liked this, which I like pretty much every... I think there's always something to like in Tim Burton's films. But I'm still kind of... I'm still convinced we haven't seen Burton's masterpiece yet. Well, I hope, I hope you're right with that. And I, I agree because... Although this is good, I, I definitely walked out of the movie kind of, and I went with a, a couple people and saying, now, what did you think? Did you like that? Was that, was that great? I, I enjoyed it. I sat there and, and I, I didn't have any complaints during the movie, but I didn't walk out of it going, whew, now that was worth the wait. Like that was, because I'll be honest, this thing is, is selling like uh, gangbusters right now. I, I went to uh, a Saturday movie, uh, matinee, it was sold out, had to buy a later one, showed up an hour before the movie and had to wait in line, and I was almost last in line. Let me tell you this. Thank you, James Cameron, because that's exactly that bill. They had a hand, Avatar had a big hand, I would like to say, in the success of the opening weekend for Alice in Wonderland. By that I mean, he has now created the appetite for the 3D movie experience. Just for, Yeah, for theater in, in general. Yeah, because I honestly believe now that because Alice in Wonderland was the lucky film to be the first 3D film released on the heels of Avatar, uh -huh. they benefited from that. Oh, 100%. They weren't stupid when they decided to go back and make it in 3D. I mean, the, the, and, and the sales just go to show it. When I'm, I'm at the local theater, I, I could have gone to see a movie not in 3D. I could have gone to see Alice in Wonderland not in 3D at the time I wanted. But it was sold out. All the 3D ones were sold out at other times because that's what people want to go see. And I think although this movie doesn't necessarily deliver on the same level, it still gives you that some 
that that reason to be at the theater. Yeah, and I think you're going to continue to see that. And I think the 3D, uh, like as we said off the top, is going to get better. But I don't think you're going to see the level of it for another probably 12 to 18 months. I, you know, I think the next six months, rest of 2010, is going to all be that post-production 3D. Yeah. Not that it's not good. No, hey it's... man, it's pre- it's pretty good. It's a it's a fun it's a fun movie going experience. But it's, it doesn't have the the power and the scope, I think, of what Avatar did. So I think it it, it benefited from it, but there's almost mm-hmm. a bit of a disservice as well, having to be the first it's, to follow it. Yeah, it's just not quite as good. It's like it's like going on stage, you know, to sing following you uh, two. You're just not going to live up to it. But I mean, the one the one thing that and, and this is this is very early to say. The thing that's kind of sad is you know that in like two years, three years, everyone's going to be like ah, 3D. Come on, give me something new. It's kind of sad to know that that we're going to be so uh, that our society just seems to hate everything. That eventually 3D is going to be bah, whatever. Where's yeah, 5D? Give me something better. Yeah, I I thought that too. Like that, you know, it is funny that we're going to get desensitized to it. It's like yeah. I think for the next, you're probably going to get a good year of people. It's going to drive asses and seats. And you're going to see pretty much every major movie. I mean, I don't I mean, maybe they'll find a way to do a fucking romantic comedy in 3D. <laughs> but every goddamn movie, like the previews I saw at the beginning of this, every preview was in 3D. I, okay, not every, pre, not every preview I saw, but there was a lot of Disney, well, almost all Disney previews that I saw with mine. And that's, that's actually a pretty good segue. Um, because we had talked about the Karate Kid. This was the one that wasn't in 3D. I, uh, hopefully they don't go back and try to do it. And as terrible on paper as this movie sounds, I hate to admit it, I really enjoyed the trailer. It's got Jackie Chan and stupid Will Smith's kid, okay? But there is some serious kung fu action in this, in, in just the trailer from what I've seen. And I'm, I'm a sucker for karate and kung fu and all that stuff. There are some moves in this that you can tell it's got Jackie Chan influence, not for comedy, but Jackie Chan's influence for the way he moves, the type of uh, fighting that he does, that Will Smith's kid is doing some stuff, I'm assuming it's him, that you're just like, holy jeez, that looks freaking cool. So I I don't know. I I went from being like this so stupid, so mad they're doing Karate Kid to I'm kind of, I'm hopeful now. You're off the podcast. No, uh, did you have you seen the trailer? No, I saw the first trailer, and I thought it. And I'm, this might not be the one you're talking about. The first trailer was groan worthy, as far as I was uh, concerned. Okay. Well, but I don't know the. I, I'm not aware of this trailer, so I'll reserve judgment. I, I still, I, I'm not excited I'm, in this in the I, least. I hate to admit it. It's a, well, I'm not even going to say guilty pleasure. Kung fu movies kick ass, and I you like love all. Those. I, I, if you're kicking something, I'm happy. And but this thing, I'm surprised. It looks like, although it has the structure of karate kid it has a little little like baby baby glimmer of hope wow well that was an interesting way to uh to leave us off there because you like kicking and i like kicking it old school because i'm sorry if you don't have pat marita and ralph macchio i don't think you're gonna sell the karate kid to me okay but uh (laughs) but i guess we'll have to wait and see but you know that said i think everything's gonna be in 3d whether the karate kid is or not I think we are going to see a glut of that. I mean, you know, the next one on deck is Clash of the Titans, which maybe we'll do a review of that as well. Yeah. But uh, I I do want to just follow up on that one point that you said earlier. 
it is it's going to run its course people are it's going to start to be it's going to be just like those you know cgi animations like when toy story came out originally it blew everybody's mind now there's one of those movies released every three weeks for fuck's sakes so uh 3d is going to become that and people are going to crave something else but for now it's pretty cool i mean i have to admit that whether it was alice in wonderland quality or avatar quality 3D is pretty cool, and it deserves going to see in the theater. So I think from the sounds of it, well, Andrew, it, it, well, it sounds yeah. And here I go again. Was there anything you didn't like about the movie? Because this has been a lot. It started out as kind of going yeah, and but we've spoken a lot of positive about this movie. Well, I it's, I always said I liked it. I did. You know, I wouldn't come out of saying that. Uh, you know, I think this is an instant classic. But I thought it was. I thought it was a lot of fun. This movie uh-huh. put a smile on my face. I loved uh, the look of it. I mean, I could have, I'd go see it again just to continue to look in the background and see the world and just get a look at everything there. It's a feast for that. Right. Um, if, if I had a recommendation to say or something that I would like to, like my final thoughts on the movie, I would say it is it is very good. It's not necessarily great, but see it in the theater, but not if you have to wait for an hour or two. It's not, it, it doesn't necessarily live up to this enormous hype. But I think you'll enjoy it um, in 3D for sure. Yeah, I think it's definitely, my recommend would be go go to the theater to see it. It's another uh, movie that is worthwhile to see in 3D uh, if you, you know, keep your expectations in the right place. Fun film, uh, good uh, and successful, I think, but n- not necessarily great, fantastic on my top 10 list. So uh, I think that's going to do it for, uh, you know, the Atomic Geeks review of Alice in Wonderland. Like I said, off, uh, we will be doing these sort of irregularly, so keep your eyes out for them. Maybe we'll do one for Clash of the Titans, which comes out April 2nd. Uh-huh. But uh, or you can uh, follow us through many social medias, including Facebook and Twitter. Just search for the Atomic Geeks there or visit us at our own website, theatomicgeeks.com. So this is Michael DiGiovanni signing off for Andrew Bloom mm-hmm. for uh, our the very special episode of the Alice in Wonderland review. We'll talk to you soon or not. <laughs>just listen to another episode of the atomic geeks visit us at theatomicgeeks.com production by andrew bloom title track by don't look down we'll talk to you soon who am i question or, or not <laughs>